Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me, as always, my co-host, Stephen Kerr. And if you're new to the show, we welcome you to the party. And if you haven't heard Stephen or myself, we've got a combined 60 years covering sports between TV, radio, print journalism. I produce sports shows on Channel 11, 20, 55, Fox Sports Southwest. In other words, Stephen, we've been around for a while. We're kind of old and cranky at this point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, 60 years of experience, that, that's getting pretty old, all right. But uh, thankfully, that's just combined between the two of us. It, it, <laughs> it sounds older than it is. But yeah, we, we both have uh, certainly been in the business from a professional standpoint for quite a while. I, I'm based in Austin, as uh, some of you may know, but many of you may not. Uh, covered UT sports, but I'm from Houston. I, I lived in Houston in the 70s with... The Love You Blue and the, the Astros and Rockets. and uh, But but also, Robert, uh, along with that, we're both fans of Houston teams. So we've uh, followed them for quite some time. And if you want to check out the library of podcasts, uh, there's uh, about th- uh, probably in the neighborhood of uh, 300 or 400 up there right now. But we've, we've done about uh, – the show's been around for about six years, a little over six years, and we've done close to 1,000 – podcast all together so you'll see the episode number but there's there's more because i i would not i didn't label all of them with the episode number so interviews and things like that that some of them have been taken down uh but uh some of them i left up there so go check that out and uh you know as we record this wednesday morning uh the astros the texans not fun to talk about so let's start off with the rockets because they've got the third best record in the nba steven and they're on an eight game winning streak yeah, well, let me tell you, this this podcast is definitely going to start out uh, a lot more positively than the last one, because the last one was our Texans postgame show after the Ravens game. So, yeah, let's definitely talk some Rockets, because uh, they are the team to talk about. And, you know, when we started the season, Robert, we really weren't quite sure where the Rockets were going to start out. Having uh, gotten Russell Westbrook, I mean, there was a lot of excitement about that, but of course there were also many questions. You know, is is he and James Harden, are they, are they going to fit together? How long is it going to take them to gel? And, you know, are the Rockets going to play defense? Well, at first, it didn't look like things were going to go that well. They lost the season opener, and they kind of uh, staggered around a little bit. They gave up 158 points to the Wizards and only won the game because they scored 159. But, you know, ever since Mike D'Antoni came out and uh, publicly chastised the team, it seemed, for being soft and not playing great, it seems like it lit a fire under them because the Rockets have certainly played well since then. And uh, they are actually first in the league in offense in uh, per 100 possessions of 112.7 points a game. So, uh, yeah, they're doing pretty darn well right now. I haven't been afraid to be hard on James Harden over the podcast years, but, you know, he's averaging 39 points per game. And, and we're going to talk about all the good stuff with him because he has more points scored than minutes played in each of his last nine games, which is the longest streak since the ABA-NBA merger. And how about this? The Rockets' net defensive rating, defensive rating, is about eight points better with Harden on the floor. So Harden is affecting the defense. So now maybe it's partly his offense that helps the defense, but I'm sure, Stephen, it's still surprising to some that the defense is better with Harden on the floor, and he's playing good on the defensive end. Well, that is true, because obviously the more points he scores, then uh, the better that ratio is going to be. So that that's definitely a unique way to look at it, because, you know, as 
over the years, if there's one thing that Harden has been criticized for is just not playing good defense. But, hey, any way that he can help the defense get better. And, and the Rockets' defense has played better, certainly during this uh, eight-game winning streak that they are currently on. Of course, they're going to be playing uh, later on uh, Wednesday night at Denver. It's, it's going to be a tough game. But, yeah, the, the defense has certainly played much better. But some of that is being helped just because James Harden is being, well, James Harden, just like last year. You know, he he accomplished so much last year, and, and people were raving and course even criticizing him for it though that's the funny thing i'm not hearing quite as much criticism on his offensive exploits this year as i think we were last year i don't know if it's people are finally starting to realize that hey this guy really is a great offensive player or uh, maybe they're just becoming used to it but you you can't discount what james harden is doing and and helping the rockets but the other guys around the Rockets are play, playing pretty well, too. So that's helping. You know, I, I'm guessing everybody, Stephen, is familiar with Bill Simmons at this point, the ringer, ESPN. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. His uh, Bill Simmons book of basketball podcast this week, really interesting because he and Zach Lowe did an entire show on James Harden. Go listen to it immediately if you're a Rockets fan. It's incredibly interesting. And I'll throw out some numbers Simmons brought up. He's led the league in scoring and assist in different seasons, like one season leading in scoring, one season leading in assist. Only Wilt Chamberlain and our own Wessel, Russell Westbrook have done that now. Uh, also, since the 2012-2013 season, when he came to the Rockets, he leads the league since that season in points, minutes, free throws, free throw attempts, and win shares. He's made 1,700 more free throws than anyone else in the league. He's wow. second in threes, uh, made threes, uh, third or uh, second in threes, uh, made third in assist, third in steals, second in usage, and fourth in PER. I mean, just by pretty much every stat, he's the uh, one of the two or three best players in the NBA over the last few years, and maybe you can argue he's the best. He's right there in the conversation every single year in the MVP well, race. Certainly has to be. And uh, last year, of course, he had uh, Giannis to contend with. And, uh, you know, it's a long season. It's still early, but uh, certainly right now, if, if you don't think James Harden is the front runner for MVP, then I don't know what you're thinking. And I also heard something else. I think it was Jalen Rose that came out and said that, and, and I, this may sound a bit out, outrageous, but if you stop and think about it, <laughs> the way James Harden is playing and some of the things he's accomplishing, it could happen. He believes James Harden could score 90 points in a game just based on how many shots he sometimes takes. He says if he takes 40 shots a game, if a lot of those shots fall, there could be a night where James Harden could almost match Will Chamberlain and score 90 points. Now, yeah, that sounds pretty outrageous, but hey, Kobe Bryant did it, what, 81 points at one point? Um, I don't know if he can do that, but he might, just the, the way he's playing lately. And I know what some of the detractors are saying. Yeah, but this is the regular season. When he gets to the postseason, he's... The James Harden who doesn't come through in the postseason. Look, you've got to get there. You, you, you've got to get there to, before you can start worrying about that. And the more the Rockets win in the regular season, the better position they're going to put themselves in the postseason. And you hope that if they can just keep this going, that they can be one of the top two, three, four teams in the NBA, put themselves in a better position when the postseason does arrive. A big what if uh, that Bill Simmons made, and he he was loudly critical of the Thunder from the moment the Harden trade 
happened with OKC. And he also brought up this, which is even more water torture for Thunder fans. Remember the Rockets gave up that first round pick in the deal and OKC took Steven Adams. Well, in his podcast, Simmons said the very next pick in that draft was last year's NBA MVP, the Greek freak. Well, Simmons got it wrong, but not by much. Giannis was three picks after Steven Adams. So the Thunder had the chance to get the last laugh. They still had that chance, and they could have paired Westbrook and Durant with the Greek freak. Instead, they've got what is now a nice role player, Steven, who's on a bad contract that they can't get rid of. Unreal. Just like if you're a Thunder fan, it's really sad what's happened. Well, it is. You know, there's always the uh, what if things had gone this way or what if things had gone that way. Uh, yeah, that would have been an interesting combination. Uh, Durant, the Greek freak, uh, who knows? The Warriors might have uh, not been the dynasty that they were. But sometimes, uh, you know, you, you can't always go by what ifs. You have to go with what you have. And who's to say that that would have worked even if it had come about? But, yeah, if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, you have to think, well, you know, gosh, got rid of Harden, got rid of Durant, got rid of Westbrook. So <laughs> what are they looking at? They've got Chris Paul and you know, they're, they're definitely not the team that I guess their fans thought they would have been. But the Rockets, well, so far, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Clint Capella, all those guys are doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I loved uh, Giannis in that draft. I actually couldn't believe that he lasted as long as he did. And, you know, there was the stuff about, well, here's a guy that, um, you know, just – uh, no experience uh, against bigger competition or what I just thought I just watching the just watching the video it was unreal it was like watching somebody that you'd never seen before in your life and I, I was also a big fan of I couldn't believe everybody else passed on Luca the Mavericks just stole him not everybody else but the first two teams passed up on him and of course the Suns drafted a guy that's now suspended for 25 games while Luca is you know got an MVP thing going on and the Rockets got them up ahead but you know, another thing that I wanted to see, Stephen, is how Westbrook is doing in Houston compared to Oklahoma City. Talked a lot about Harden, but if you look at his per 36 stats, Westbrook, uh, he has he been better or worse than some of these triple-double categories than he was in past years? Well, he's averaging three fewer assists and 1.8 fewer rebounds, and this is the per 36, not the grand total, uh, so right. it's a little bit more accurate. His steals and block shots, identical but believe it or not, actually averaging more points, only 0.6 more points. But I'm guessing nobody would have figured that Westbrook and Harden would be averaging more points this year. Well, that's true. I mean, you would think that one or the other, that their point total and differential is going to go down somewhat just because one would cancel out the other. But no, that's not the case. And Westbrook is certainly doing his part. Uh, and, and he's going to get his triple doubles. You know, he's still going to get those. And he's still going to contribute in, in many other ways besides offensively. Has anybody noticed that during every interview they've had, I mean, Stephen, this is big. Harden and Westbrook always bring it back to defense every single time. They'll be asked about the offense or how the two are playing with each other or one of their offensive runs in the game. But they've deliberately gone out of their way, especially Harden, I've noticed, to say we need to be better defensively or the key was defense it's just not something I've heard from Harden, you know, at any point in his career, dr drill into every single conversation every time they ask him a question. Hmm, wonder whose idea that might have been. <laughs> but <laughs> it's good to hear because 
obviously the, the Rockets' defense, it certainly last year was so many different lapses, and even at the beginning of this season. But again, it was it was after D'Antoni came out publicly, and, and that was one of the things he pointed out. They have certainly gotten much better defensively, and and even in the transition game. I think you know you and I talked on a previous podcast about how the Rockets were so fast paced that they weren't playing a great transition game on defense. Well, they seem to have ironed that out. And yes, they're still playing at a faster pace. Uh, they're up in the league as far as uh, a faster pace now than they were last year. But I think it has become more manageable lately, especially during this eight-game winning streak. And that has allowed the defense to play better. A couple of guys I want to single out. Clint Capella, four straight 20-rebound games. He has turned it on recently, got back from the concussion since we last talked, and just kept it up. Another 20-rebound game for him after that. But also, Daniel House, Stephen, I've noticed that he is really doing a nice job defensively. And it's not just you know staying in front of his man, but he does a great job of help defense. He comes off of his guy... And uh, really quickly and, you know, sticks his hand in the cookie jar and, and get some loose balls, get some, uh, you know, deflections and knockaways. I mean, him, you know, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, you know, you can say whatever you want to about James, but he's been better. I- I've been impressed with Russell Westbrook's defense. I mean, there are a couple of times I've seen him, you know, he takes a chance on a steal and gets out of position that way. But overall, he's looked really good. I mean, I've got no complaints on that end of the floor from Russ. Well, and the thing about Westbrook is, yeah, if he's doing something like that, at least he is trying to be aggressive and making something happen. It's not like he's just standing around waiting for something to happen and getting burned. He's he's at least, you know, if you're going to make mistakes, sometimes they're going to be aggressive ones. And that's what he's doing. And yeah, Clint Capella, yeah, he'd, he'd had a lot of criticism early in the season and even last year. And, you know, if, if the offense is clicking with Harden scoring his share of points, Westbrook getting his... P.J. Tucker, you know, here's an interesting stat, Robert. When P.J. Tucker is in double figures this season, the Rockets are 5-1. and one, And he's also doing pretty well with his uh, three-point shooting, 47.5%. So if the offense is doing their part, then Clint Capella, he can be a good, as far as defensively and even offensively, getting those rebounds. He's fifth in the league now in rebounds, uh, especially with uh, the better play that he's had lately. So, if he can continue to do that and the, and the offense can continue to do what it's doing, then you, you don't need so much to have Clint Capella worry so much about scoring. Just get those rebounds and play good defense. That T-Wolves game was really impressive that Chris Clemens came out and threw up about a 19-point spot on you. And then also Hartenstein with a big rebound game, 16. So you're getting it from undrafted rookies like Clemens, you're getting it from second round picks from a few years ago, like Hartenstein. So you're getting it all the way down near the bottom of the bench. Even with some of the injuries, guys are stepping up. You know who hasn't looked good on defense and maybe hasn't stepped up and uh, he's not around anymore. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be talking about Ryan Anderson, would you? Didn't they just sign him like a few weeks ago? Is this Carmelo Anthony all over again? What happened? Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense <laughs> for me. I just, I've been critical of that. I've been, I've been a little bit critical of Chris Clemens. Like I'm fine with Chris Clemens as if he's, you know, your 14th or 15th guy. Cause he, the thing is, you need backups to backups that are going to be able to play in the playoffs. That would be my concern. I mean, I like Chris Clemens as a regular season guy, but you know, somebody that's, you know, five foot eight or whatever he is, is not going to be able to 
do anything defensively once you get into a playoff situation. And you, I don't know if you could put him on the floor, but in a regular season, in a pinch, to have somebody like that around, you know, in the in the sort of super back of your bench, that's great. Yeah, I really didn't understand the whole Ryan Anderson thing. I mean, they re-signed him, and I think he played a couple of games, very but very few minutes, very early in the season. And then it was kind of like Carmelo Anthony from last year. He just suddenly went AWOL. You hardly saw him. And now recently he's gotten released. So, yeah, I, they're, they're just sometimes I think the Rockets, it, it's almost like they they figure, you know, and I, and I know his contract certainly wasn't what it was when he was with the Rockets the first time. But you kind of have to scratch your head on some of these, quote unquote, retread re-signings that they've had. And uh, Ryan Anderson was certainly one of them. But, yeah, it, it's nice to see guys like Hardenstein. We've been kind of waiting to see him. And uh, Chris Clements, Ben McLemore, he's he's doing really well this year, too. So that that is a real key, I think, especially early on. If the Rockets can get that depth and that next man up mentality, which they've kind of had to do with, with all the injuries they've had lately. You know, really, Robert, that's the difference between the Rockets and the Texans right now is the Rockets seem to have that next man up thing going, whereas the Texans don't. So if the Rockets can continue to do that, then I think it will only make them more effective later in the season, especially if you start to see more injuries and some of these guys that aren't getting a lot of playing time who've stepped up now. If they can continue to do that, then all the better. Yeah, and J.J. Watt's like losing your James Harden on defense, so you you weren't expecting much out of that defensive front and – you know, that's also, you know, if Clowney was still around, that would help a lot too. But going back to the Rockets and, and their schedule, and it's about to get real for them really quickly because it hasn't been that difficult. But starting tonight, they play the third-seeded Nuggets, the Clippers this time with Paul George and Kawhi both in the lineup, the fifth-seeded Mavericks are next, led by the MVP candidate Luka Doncic, who I just mentioned, and the Miami Heat, who crushed the Rockets a few weeks ago. Steven, let me go back to when the Rockets beat the Clippers because, you know, I noticed Harden was not guarded by Kawhi in that game. Not sure why, but maybe Doc Rivers didn't want to show his cards or maybe he needed Kawhi not to get worn down because he needed him on offense. But I'm guessing either George or Kawhi will be guarding Harden quite a bit this time around unless, you know, it's a load management day. for. I'm assuming at some point those two guys are going to play together in the regular season game against the Rockets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly. And yeah, you'd have to think that at least one of them or maybe they'll trade off. You know, one of them will guard him for a while and the other trades. So, yeah, it's definitely going to get a bit tougher. And again, this is a long season and Harden's doing some great things. But when you get against really stiff competition and then, of course, when you get in the postseason, that's when you're going to find out what you really have. And at at least the the easier schedule has allowed the Rockets to kind of get themselves acclimated with each other, the, the new chemistry overcoming the injuries, but, you know, this is definitely going to get tough now, and I think you're going to see what kind of a Rockets team you really have here in these next few games. Meanwhile, there's the Astros. Oh, no. Uh, This story came out this week from The Athletic and verified by ESPN, Stephen. I'm sure you heard it. I don't know if everybody heard this, but the special assistant to the Astros GM, a guy named Kevin Goldstein, He asked scouts in an email to spy on opponents' dugouts leading up to the 2017 postseason, hoping to steal signs and suggesting the potential use of cameras to do so. In the email, Goldstein wrote, quote, one thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. What we're looking for is how much we can see, how 
We would log things if we need cameras, binoculars, et cetera. So go to the game, see what you can or can't do and report back your findings, unquote. So if you if you missed it, also Commissioner Rob Manford said he does not believe the sign-stealing issues go beyond the Astros. That's it. And he said that uh, he can levy significant punishments on the Astros based on the investigation. Did you ever think that we would come to a point when we see a headline about the Astros that we would just, we, we would almost dread to see what the next headline is going to be. I mean, wasn't there a time when you think, man, we can't get enough of the Astros. We can't get enough of the stories. We can't get enough of this world series thing or getting back to the world series. And gosh, now all we're seeing now that the, of course it is the off season, but we're, we're not even seeing a lot of stuff about, well, are they going to keep Garrett Cole? Who, you know, what free agents are they looking at? All we're seeing is stories about, the alleged incidents of cheating in 2017 and in this past season. I saw something recently where uh, Carlos Beltran said that the only thing that he knew of the Astros cheating in 2017 was at second base, that, that they had cameras you know, watching from second base, but nothing else. But it's just it's a shame that we even have to be talking about this at all, that a, a team felt like they have to do certain things like this to get the World Series championship in 2017 you know, unlike the NCAA, who seems to be able to just arbitrarily take championships away from teams when they get caught doing something and put on probation, you know, they're not going to take the World Series title away from the Astros, but it, but it certainly has to taint the whole thing if you start looking back and seeing all these incidents that are coming to light. One thing I'm wondering, you know, you, you could suspend Jeff Luno. You could you could suspend A.J. Hinch, I guess. I mean, the draft picks are going to they're going to take away the draft picks which honestly doesn't really hurt the Astros for, you know, maybe to two or three or four years down the road. So you're, you're, you're not typically going to nail the Astros for this year. But, you know, just what I'm saying is if you suspend Luno and Hinch, I mean, what's going to stop the Astros at this point? Wh- why would they care? They're going to, what, stick a video camera in, in, in Jeff's uh, house and, and he's going to secretly relay all the info. How do you suspend a GM? Uh, you could take, you know, you could say, well, we don't want to see a paycheck going his way, but it's the Astros. What do they sneak a paycheck his way? I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, how do you get? How do you do anything to this team? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do that really sends a message outside of okay, we're going to take away your next three first round picks or something like that. But again, you know, we're, we're talking maybe not till three or four years down the road. When the Astros, you know, window is, you know, we assume that window is over with in a couple of years when Verlander and Granke are gone. I mean, what do you do? Well, I guess you could say that really for any punishment, just because of the the availability of the type of technology and just the, the fact that, you know, there are just some people who I don't know if it's that they don't have a conscience when they close their eyes and go to sleep at night and they just figure, oh, well. We got caught, but we'll figure out a way around. It's like they have to be one step ahead of the rules, one step ahead of whatever's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. What what do you do? You know, Manford did say that he was going to come out and really nail these teams if they had been caught cheating. Now, this was more for 2019, but yeah, some of these things that they're coming out, they may have been from 2017, but they're very egregious. And you you can't not take action if there's evidence right in front of you. So the Astros are going to have something coming. It's just a question of, you know, how severe will it be? And then when it does happen, what are they going to do about it? And how are they going to compensate for it? If you find Jim Crane, 
a million dollars, five million. What does he care? Five million dollars, whatever. It, it's not going to matter because he's already got that playoff money, the World Series money. I mean, the money of all the season ticket holders that have been added onto the you know budget. I mean, it just, I, I, I it's, it's to me, it's, it's going to be real tough. You, you're going to have to get creative to really hit the Astros hard. And you know, I, they've got to at this point. If uh, Manfred's investigation shows everything that we're seeing, and it, you know, you'd be surprised if it didn't. I think I saw there's an anonymous GM who says that he thinks Jeff Luno should be banned for life if he knew that the Astros were cheating. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, it, that would be that would be pretty shocking. I mean, maybe it should, but I, I don't know you're going to see that. But yeah, for fines, I mean, yeah, how are you going to find a guy who's a billionaire? You know, that'd be like finding you and me, say, one dollar for doing something based on whatever we make, or maybe, you know, 50 cents. I mean, it's just, so I think you have to go into the draft picks situation, which, yeah, it may be a little ways down the road, but eventually it is going to hurt you. Um, Suspensions and what have you. But yeah, Manford has come out and said that uh, he is going to do something drastic. So now he needs to back it up. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when this is all said and done. I thought this was interesting. I, I, I was listening to Buster Olney, who asked former Yankees first baseman Mark Teixeira how he would have felt if he played on the 2017 Yankees that lost to the Astros or the Dodgers that lost to the Astros in the World Series. And Teixeira said, quote, uh, I think people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Every team tries to do this. The issue is the Astros just stepped over the line. Let's make sure that every team out there is going to get a full investigation in the next year, unquote. So this is a former Yankee. He would have Yankee allegiances, I would have, I would assume, and, and, and possibly and probably no guys on that team. But, you know, he's saying, I don't know. I don't, if you, you want to go after the Astros, you better go after everybody. Well, that kind of goes back to what I said in a previous podcast, Robert, when we were talking about this, is that, well, two things. One, I I still believe, like Tashera says, I believe that every team, to some extent, in sports, I mean, we're not just talking Major League Baseball. We talk about NFL, NBA, NHL, whatever, in professional sports, is guilty of some sort of cheating or pushing the envelope. I just don't think it's realistic to think it isn't. And yeah, I I think people do live in glass houses. And we like to think that sports is an escape. It's an escape to a fairy tale where we don't have to worry about the real world. We don't have to worry about politics. We don't have to worry about drugs and alcohol. We we just want to watch the games. Well, unfortunately, sports does stray into real life because you have a business. That's what sports is. It's a business. These guys are making hand over fist you know, these, these managers and coaches and general managers and owners, you know, they're put in a position where there is the pressure to win. And when you have that, you're going to push the envelope as far as you think you can get away with. And yeah, the, the other, I guess the other issue is that I, I think that with the Astros, you, you could you could talk about anybody when, when they win a World Series if they're a great story, you know, you had the Hurricane Harvey thing going in 2017. Everybody was loving on the Astros. You would like to think that it's always that way when they win a championship. But as we said, sports is just not a fairy tale. And it's a harsh reality, but I think it is a reality we just have to face now and now. I'm going to give you an idea that 
you, you talk about technology with baseball and baseball is very slow to adapt in this stuff. I mean, the NFL was way ahead in instant replay. Uh, the NFL has done something that I think kind of is under the radar, but sure helps them as far as signals not getting stolen. And they use the headset to the quarterback. They use the headset to the defensive uh, quarterback of the team to, to, to relay signals in. Steven, baseball's got to get up to date. Here's what you do to eliminate the sign stealing stuff and looking at video and center field cameras and things like that and what the pitch is. I mean, how about just something between the catcher and the pitcher, some sort of technology? It doesn't seem like it would be hard to do, whether it's an Apple Watch or whatever, of, okay, this is what I want you to throw and, you know, throw it in the, you know, upper, you know, the top left corner or the you know bottom left corner and throw the fastball or what? I mean, how hard could that be? I mean, this is 2019. Well, I'd have to agree with you, but isn't it funny that uh, <laughs> these teams are taking all this technology and advancing it in the wrong ways, but yeah, they seem to have trouble using it in the right ways, the way the NFL and, and jumping on it and doing what the NFL is doing. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. They, they have no limits apparently as far as how they can use cameras to spy on people, but they can't seem to figure it out as to how to advance the game and, uh, you know, maybe make the game shorter or, you know, make things better to where, this sort of thing can't happen. So, yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy when you look at it that way. Yeah, do not do what the NFL is doing in the officiating aspect. And uh, speaking of that, if you want hope for the Texans this Thursday, Stephen, and I know you're like, okay, give me some hope here. I got you some. I got you some. Okay, lay it on me. Under Bill O'Brien, in the Bill O'Brien era, the Texans' record in games following a double-digit loss while still mathematically alive for the postseason, so not a you know one of those years that got out of hand, but their record is nine and one in those situations. I'll take that, and of course, a lot of that too is Deshaun Watson always seems to have the ability to bounce back from a poor game like what he had this past Sunday against the Ravens and follow it up with an, even a, a decent or sometimes even great performance. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with that figure, but at this point. We'll take anything because the Texans really couldn't have looked much worse than they did on Sunday. You know, I guess the good thing about having a shorter turnaround is that they can hopefully forget about a loss like this quicker and start focusing on a game that's a Thursday night. It's prime time. It's against the Colts. It's a big game in more ways than one. I mean, obviously, from a divisional standpoint, it's a big game. But in order to keep the Texans in at least close to the upper echelon of AFC teams, they have got to win on Thursday night. If they win the, if they want to win the AFC South, because if they lose, they're what two games or with the tiebreaker, is it two or three games behind the Colts at that point? I think it's two. Probably two. Yeah. 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 So it's two because I think it's it, it, they're they've got the same record at, at the moment. Uh, looking at the injury report, and I mean I could say this in in an hour or two, this could change, but you know Will Fuller still a question mark Bradley Roby both him and Bradley Roby game time decisions and those two guys to get either one or both of those guys would be huge especially Bradley Roby because they're going to lean on Vernon Hargraves Hargraves this year I mean Lonnie Johnson I I can't assume a guy that just got carted off the field even though they haven't ruled him out yet is going to play so you're you're talking about you know Jonathan Joseph Gary and Conley Hargraves I mean I, it, that's not 
who you want on T.Y. Hilton at the moment. So that, that, that would be big to get Roby back. And Will Fuller changes your offense, and you don't have to put uh, Kiki QT, who's uh, maybe uh, looking for uh, you know the playbook and trying to find it. Yeah, I don't think he's found it this year. doesn't know where he's supposed to be on the field. So uh, they could use Will Fuller because that, that knocks QT out of the equation. And, you know, it's whatever. It's whoever they got, Stephen Mitchell or whatever, playing the slot. Like I said, I would like to see maybe, you know, put Jordan Aikens in the slot if you don't have him at tight end and you've got Fells out there or, or uh, bring back Jordan Thomas or do something uh, a little bit more creative with that slot position if, if Kiki QT can't uh, figure out what routes to run. I mean, that that's just kind of crazy after being in, in, in the organization for the last year and a half. Well, it really is considering that, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time on the sidelines last year because he was injured you know, you would think that would be a great time for him to really observe the offense, study the playbook, see how things work on the field, and then come back this year. But that just clearly hasn't happened. You know, we we heard so much about his potential, and of course his speed is a, an obvious thing. But as we've seen with many, many receivers in the NFL over the years, having great speed is fine, but you've got to catch the ball, and you've got to be in the best position to catch the ball. And Kiki QT is definitely not done either one of those things consistently in the last two years he's been in the league. And as far as uh, the defense concerned, one of the biggest reasons that the Texans signed Bradley Roby was to, to be on guys like uh, T.Y. Hilton. And with him not being in there, if he doesn't play on Thursday, that, that is really going to be tough to overcome because T.Y. Hilton just always seems to uh, make the Texans his, his, his personal glory. I mean, if he, he could be the MVP of the league – if he played the Texans all 16 games. So, yeah, that is really the biggest question mark as far as the defense, aside from the fact that they just haven't had a pass rush, is who in the secondary is going to keep up with T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure where you were going there. I, I know you too well to know you weren't going to go where I thought you were with uh, making uh, uh, the Texans his personal something. But, yeah, that <laughs> that's exactly what it's been over the last few years. And, uh, if you have a thought to share with us, I just want to remind everybody, it's info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. The email always in the show description, our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net. You can go over there, and uh, if you'd like to donate, help us out. Uh, we do not receive any compensation at the moment for this, so uh, if you would like to help us out, there's a donate button at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Just look for it on the homepage, and uh, we look forward to hearing from everybody uh, about the Astros, because I mean that 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 I'm I'm very curious as to what the opinions are about the Astros and where you are with the organization right now, and how maybe bitter you are, or maybe you're not bitter at all. You go, well, that's that's how you do it these days. You got to cheat to to win and and all that. But uh, we're going to talk to you again in the post game. Look for the post game show for the Colts and the Texans on Friday morning. We'll post that up on Friday morning for you, so you can have it for your Friday afternoon drive or coming home or maybe possibly over the weekend but uh thanks a lot to steven and we will talk to you in a couple of days you're listening to houston sports talk don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes spotify the google podcast app or the stitcher app you can support us by giving us a five-star review on itunes or by telling your friends about us spread the word everybody thanks for listening